Gospel of John this morning, I want us to take a look at five different things. It's all going to come from John chapter 3. One of my favorite parts about reading in the scriptures is understanding how Jesus would take things that were common to men about them, men and women, and use them as an example of what it means to be a follower of his. Today we'll get introduced to Nicodemus, a name I think many of us are familiar with. We'll get introduced to some comparisons that Jesus makes, which he often used in his parables. We'll get some instruction in what are the things Jesus wants us to do. And above all the five items that I want us to take note of from John chapter 3, I want us to remember them in our walk. You know, we live in a world that has a lot of issues going on, and of course we're bombarded with information continually. I think it's important for us to be reminded, to be reminded often, of how much God delivers us and provides for us day in and day out. So here we go. Let's take a look at John chapter 3. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are, you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Come from God. I don't know who introduced you to the gospel. Maybe you began your journey early on, raised in the Church of Christ. Maybe you were introduced to God by parents, grandparents, maybe friends, co-workers, teachers. Whoever it was that brought you to know God, in a sense, you became a Nicodemus. He was from the ruling class, and he was anxious to know what it was that Jesus was all about. He had to understand more. So here's our calling for us today. In many occasions, we are going to be introduced to a Nicodemus. Some of you can remember right now some folks that you may have led to the gospel. And this is not by chance. This is by God's providence. So here's the first thing I would remind you of regarding your Christian calling. There are many Nicodemuses out there waiting for you and I to share the message with them. In an age where there is so many ways to communicate, so many ways to get in touch with people, whether they're here, across the street, across the globe, we can get in contact with people. So what do we share with them? What is it that's important to let them know regarding God's kingdom. Often, those Nicodemuses ask us some questions. Maybe it's a problem or story that they've heard. Maybe it's something they don't understand regarding life's circumstances. Maybe they begin to question if God is really in control regarding all the things that take place. And maybe they're wondering whether or not am I doing the right things in life? Where am I? In any event, by God's purpose, you become the person to share with that person what it means to follow God. This is not by chance. God wants us to be ready and willing and able to share the truth with them at any moment. Scripture says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within each of us. Begin to be ready to share whatever it is that God wants you to give to another person regarding eternal life. This is our calling. This is our purpose in life. The second point, look at verse 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. 
No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again, Nicodemus asked, especially when he's old? Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and born of the Spirit. So what is the message here? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Truth is something special in God's kingdom, in God's life. Truth represents God's word. Now, one of the most important things regarding this is, quote, how we handle it. How do we handle truth? Remember as a child growing up, if we had siblings, sometimes we were prone to stretch the truth, they call it. Better known as a, quote, lie. <laughs> now, I've shared this often with you regarding it. I have a twin brother. So the truth always traveled with me, no matter where I was. And the truth traveled with him. One thing I did learn, though, if we both coordinated with something that was untrue, that didn't work either. In any event, the truth means whatever God has given us, that's what we need to use in our decision-making and how we guide people, how we direct people. And it has to do with our obedience to God's will. So when Nicodemus questioned Jesus about what does it mean to be reborn, Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. This is what you need to do. You have to start over again. Now for Nicodemus, he made the simple statement, I can't get into my mother's womb and get born again. So he says, you've got to be born of water and the spirit. Now, for Nicodemus, he's probably wondering, what in the world does that mean? Now, if we were Nicodemus, we'd have to have more information. We, of course, have the more information because we have obeyed the gospel. We have been born again. We heard God's word. We believed what God's word says regarding Jesus, the Son of God. We changed our direction and repented. We confessed Christ to be the Son of God. We entered the watery grave of baptism. We're reborn. Born of the water, and of course, born of the Spirit, because Acts 2.38 says we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by our obedience to the gospel message. We're born again. So what do we do as far as sharing this truth with others? In most cases, we have to do it just the way Jesus did it. Because he has to teach them a little bit about what it means to be born again. Most were looking for an earthly kingdom. Jesus was not bringing an earthly kingdom. He was bringing something different. Notice the next passage. This would be number three. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. However, the spirit gives birth to the spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. He says, you're Israel's teacher. And you do not understand, Jesus said. I tell you the truth. Here it is again. We speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things. You do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? This is the central theme, I believe, of John chapter 3. 
It has to do with understanding what it means to live this life, but live from within and not without. In other words, to let the inner man direct and guide. In my daily walk, I try to notice when God is addressing some things that are important in my life. And I look for things that happen around me. I might hear somebody say something. It triggers a thought. I might see something happen. It reminds me about God. Or I may be thinking about some things that I want to do and tend to do, and all of a sudden it comes to me, well, if you don't get it done, what does it matter? So I say, well, I'm going to lose interest in that project probably real quick. But in any event, it's sort of like how the wind blows. Whenever I see a gusty wind, I use it sometimes to assign it to a storm, a change of seasons, whatever. But most importantly, I associate the wind always with the Spirit of God. I cannot see it. I don't know which way it's going to blow. I don't know how fast it will go, when it will stop, or when it will start. And that's something that man has absolutely no control over at all. Now, we might harness it for energy, but it still has to blow. <laughs> and if it doesn't blow, there is no energy, of course. In any event, I use those particular moments in life to remind me about God. Now, why is this important? It's sort of explained in... 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me read something to you. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, nor has it ever entered the mind of man the things that God holds for those that would love his appearance. Now, it's a quotation from the book of Isaiah, but it's also recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And so what he's talking about here is you and I have a different set of eyes. We have a different set of ears, and we understand things completely different from those around us. Now, that doesn't make us better than anyone else. It just puts us in a position to carry out what God's will is. And this is important for us regarding our place in his kingdom. If you read on in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to be in verse 10. It says, but God has revealed these things to us by his spirit, his Holy Spirit. The spirit, Holy Spirit, searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but we have received the Spirit, Holy Spirit, who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. The letter was written to the Corinthians, the message to every person who is, quote, born again. Within each of us is God's Holy Spirit. We see things differently. By this I mean when things don't seem to make any sense, we're okay with it because we still know who's in control. And the things that God wants me to know, he will share with me. The things I do not understand or do not know, I don't have to know them because I know God is still in control. That train of thought can control many situations, both the unruly and angry situations, both the un situations we don't understand, and the conditions sometimes that are just hard to bear. God is always in control. How we hear. You and I have different ears. You might be standing in a line someplace, waiting to get away tonight, and you hear a conversation between some people regarding it. It may trigger some thoughts within your mind what they're talking about. You may even strike up a conversation and begin to say something to them. We're being led by the Spirit of God. Recognize God's direction in every occasion and every moment. This gives us a, an awareness of God's presence in our life continually. 
Maybe you're doing a text message to someone. You're sharing a scripture. You don't know how the reader, what's going on in their life at the very moment, but you send it at just the right time. Spirit of God is directing your thoughts for that person who needs that message at that time. I know my wife sends a lot of text messages out. I know sometimes she gets scolded because somebody's looking for them. They didn't get it this morning. What happened? In any event, people begin to depend on things that come from God's word in different ways. And it changes how we look on life. Yes, we still have plans. Yes, for our younger generation, they want to be educated, choose a career, look for a mate, raise a family, have a house or a home. All these things are part of life's journey. But all of it is the outside. What directs all of that is what's on the inside. And for all of us, as we approach it, we see things and do things differently. That's the part with the ears and the eyes. Now, I know how that works pretty well. I've been wearing glasses since I was five years old. And now if I want to read, oftentimes I have a hard time reading this Bible unless I take my glasses off because my eyes just don't refocus quick enough. Sign of age. And for hearing, I love the commercials where it says the miracle ear. I said, I need two of those, please. Send them right over to me. But in any event, this is part of the journey. And we recognize it and we accept that part because we're growing older. In the spiritual realm, we need to be ever attuned to be able to use our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears, to be mindful of things that God has sent us to do to lead a Nicodemus to understand the truth. And just think about that for a moment. You know, if I was in Nicodemus's company when he brought Jesus or went to see him by night, I'd be just like him. I need some more information. I just don't know what you're talking about. But you and I have born in this time, in this place, at this moment, and we have the whole truth before us. Yes. We have everything that can explain all things to us. Just think about how special that is. We don't have to wonder like Nicodemus might. Try to understand from Jesus, go to him by night because I don't want to lose my place in the, in the council. In any event, we possess God's truth. We have the answers to everything. In a sense, we may not know what the answer is, but we know what God knows the answer. So in a sense, we know the answers to everything in life walk. Think about how powerful that is to help people change their condition and their life. That's why sometimes people often call us for advice and answers because they've seen it in their life. They've understood it. And finally, no one's conceived of God's prepared for those who love him. In other words, our minds, our thoughts. Every day we rise, give thanks for another day to God. Lay down at night. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Never let it go. Because I know it's just one more day God has given me. And I'm looking for another one tomorrow. But if it's time, I'm ready. Now think about that for a moment. My wife and I are experiencing a difficult situation with her sister Phyllis right now. And it comes to decisions that have to be made regarding her well-being are tough decisions. Because they'll change her lifestyle completely. Phyllis is having a struggle with it. She doesn't want to go that way. Doesn't want to live if it doesn't go that way. Tough choices for her son and, of course, for her husband as well. In any event, consider you and I. Death has no sting for us, it says in 1 Corinthians 15. We don't have to fear death because we know that we're going to live eternally. We have it all. We have this life. We have the word of truth. We have new eyes, new ears. 
a mind that can think according to God's way because the spirit lives within us. And there is no fear in death because the person I am, the person you are, is never going to die. Yes, the physical body goes back to the grave. But you and I are going to live forever and in God's presence. And oh, by the way, there won't be any need for eyeglasses, miracle ears, joint replacements, and anything else in the new life. Everything remains the same always. Or came, Jim, you're right. Back to John chapter 3. This is verse number 16, the most famous verse, probably in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because of God's one and only Son. We focus mostly on verse 16. I want to focus on verse 18. Because this is something that has to be addressed, I think, often in life's journey. Uh, because we have to share the message of God's word with everyone, but we also have to make it clear regarding it. And this is important for us, too, as well. Whoever does not believe, whoever makes a decision in contrary to God's will, you stand condemned that person does. So our life is filled with decisions. Will we or won't we? Should I or should I not? Is it a good choice? Is it a bad choice? Experience has taught us many things about life and how well we learn from the bad choices or the bad decisions speaks highly about how well we're doing right now. But through it all, Jesus does prepare a way for us to always return. Consider the old law for a moment. The old law identified things that were wrong and the consequences behind it. And in many cases, the consequences were death by stoning. There was no return. I'm often reminded of the situation in the Old Testament when the parents came to the elders of a town. My son is a drunk and he's unruly, according to the numbers. We can't do anything with him. So the council had decided that he must be stoned to death. Now the one thing about stoning to death is how the impact it was upon everyone. Not just the person being stoned, but the family members, but the whole town. Because the execution was carried out by everyone in the town. The father of the unruly son threw stones right along with his neighbor until he was dead. No cries of mercy, no cries I'm sorry, no cries of, please, I won't do it again, stops the stoning. That's a tough law to live by. And some might say, we need some of that today. It might straighten some things out around us again. But we live under a new covenant, a new law. And we can make decisions that might be wrong. We may decide to do something we know is wrong. But we have an advocate with the Father. First John describes it. We have someone in First John chapter 1 that says that intercedes for us by the blood that he shed in the cross, Jesus. We can all ask for forgiveness, and he forgives us. His blood cleanses us as we walk in the light, it says in 1 John chapter 1. Think about that for a moment. You know, often when we travel, we take our special cards with us, 
charge cards. Maybe we have a card for discount at a hotel. Maybe we have a gas card discount. All kinds of discounts. Just reach in my wallet, give me the discount. I'll take pay for this in this direction. From the spiritual realm, we have an eternal past into glory. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God. No matter how far we wander, no matter how bad we might be involved in situations we know we shouldn't be involved in, if we go to him and ask him to forgive us, if we stop and turn and repent of what we're doing, we can pull our card out that says Jesus on it and be cleansed of our sins. Think about that for a moment. I know there are many ways that we can get relief from an aging body. There are doctors who can prescribe all kinds of medications for us. There are treatment plans that we can use. If we're having surgery, have to be rehabilitated, there's programs that can help us get moving again, get back and recover. Many ways to continue this journey for a time. But nothing replaces the cleansing that Jesus can do when our life has gone awry. I think it's the most powerful gift that God has ever given us. Yes, I'm thankful for the family I have, the wife I have, the, the land I live in, all the things that I enjoy. I've never been hungry, never naked, never without someone to sleep. I've, I've come to a time where I've received education. I can go on and on with all the good things. But none of them compare to being able to be forgiven for my sins by asking Jesus. That's a great, great tribute to God and his compassion and his love for all of us. And we should cherish that moment to do that. One thing I help to do with that is whenever I've done something wrong, whether the thoughts have been impure or wrong, or my words were spoken were wrong, I've done something wrong, I often go back to read scripture for the cross and what Jesus went through to make my forgiveness possible. This is one way to help us understand what it means that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. He came to save you and I. Point number four. Excuse me, point number five. Verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. They will not come into the light for fear that the deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that he may be seen plainly and what he has done has been done through God. The Holy Spirit guiding the pen of John here, and of course Jesus making these statements, sums up everything again. Light and dark. There's one word that often I've been cautious about using. Once some people say the saying goes, never say never. <laughs> In John chapter 8. Jesus heals a blind man. And of course, the people are struggling with why Jesus did it. He performed it on the Sabbath, which was another no-no for going to Jesus as the Pharisees and so forth. In verse number 12, Jesus said this in John chapter 8. Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. No matter what you might be experiencing in life right now, if it's a chronic illness, if it's a relationship issue, 
if you're unhappy with the direction your children are following or your grandchildren, wondering about someone, always remember, we never walk in darkness. We always walk in light. There is always hope, in other words, in our relationship with God. He knows our every need. He knows our every anxious moment. He understands all of us completely regarding how we see him, understand him, and of course, sense his presence. We never walk in darkness. In the same chapter, later on, the Pharisees accuse Jesus of being able to do the things he's doing because he has the power of the devil. Jesus said to them in verse 51, I tell you the truth. There he says it again. Jesus said this back in John many times. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. If anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. Now, one thing I've learned about the word never. I try not to use it. But whenever God, or Jesus, Holy Spirit delivers the word never, I pay very close attention. Because they're the ones who are in control of never. And what God has told us here regarding this is that because we walk in the light by following Jesus, who represents God's word and the truth, you and I will never die. We live forever. You know, even though the climbing out of bed sometimes in the morning go a little slower, see if the knees and the joints are all working. But in any event, in life's walk, when I get out of that bed, I know that I'm going to live forever. Not the way I might feel right now, but of course in the path that I'm on regarding my relationship with God. All of a sudden, the knees work better and the feet feel better. Just because I know within me, God's spirit is alive and living. What a great thought to know that God cares for us so deeply that he sent a position for us to attain whereby life holds all things. So let me sum this up today in John chapter 3 regarding our calling, our place, and our purpose. First of all, watch for the Nicodemus. Look for someone you can share your belief with and give them the message. There's an old message I reminded of that Brother Gatson gave us at one time. Reach one, teach one, bring one. All right? And God's design or God's providence has that for us as well because that's the way God's providence works in our lives. And by the way, you and I are here today, for those of us who have been born again, because someone noticed us as a Nicodemus. Secondly, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Remember what you possess. We have the truth. No matter what people say, quote, no matter what people discover, beyond fear in this life, we hold the truth. The truth that delivers eternal life. That is the most precious gift God has ever given us. It came in the form of Jesus on Christ. Thirdly, Notice the wind when it blows. Be reminded that the Spirit of God dwells in each one of us. And by that, not only are we assured of a guarantee of eternal life, but we have answers to share with people, and we can move about, teach, live a life that's complete and full. 
No matter what the moment, no matter what the occasion, let the wind remind you that God's spirit dwells within each one of us. Fourth, there are decisions to be made. There are decisions that need to be made. Some will cause us to be condemned if we don't correct them. Decisions that have to be made, understand God's word. Remember, Jesus, God said, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who who's believing him should not die, but have eternal life. He didn't come to condemn the world, but those who do not accept him, the consequences are eternal for that as well. There are choices. And finally, walk in the light. Have eyes, ears, and thoughts that bring about glory to God. Honor to him continually. Let your words be seasoned accordingly. Let your actions be according to his will. And let your choices and decisions be decided upon what God's word tells you to do. Yes, Jesus, when he brought the message of the new kingdom, had a difficult task on his hands. When I think about this, when I read about it, I often try to place myself in the form or the position of the people that were hearing him teach his parables. I might have had a hard time continuing to follow him, like many did. But boy, I am so thankful, so thankful that God gave me an opportunity to come to understand the truth at this moment, at this place, and this time in life. We truly are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar, special people that God has placed here with a purpose and with a direction. This morning, if you have not been born again, here's what it means. When Jesus said, be born of water, be born of the Spirit, he wants you to believe that he is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Good. Because without faith it's impossible to please God. And those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who would diligently seek him. Now if you believe him, he wants you also to make a change. He wants you to be directed by his teaching and his word. He wants your life to move in a direction that is according to his plan. It's called repentance. In other words, you're going to do some things differently from what you used to do. You're going to make decisions in a different way. You're going to make plans in a different way. And you're going to see things differently. Then he wants you to confess who he is. He said in Matthew 10, when he was teaching others, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. If you deny me or don't accept me, then I'll deny you before my father. Or would you lose? So confession is part of the plan. And finally, he wants us to follow him into the grave. Romans chapter 6 is probably the best example of that. Just as Jesus was placed in the grave, we also enter a watery grave and we are baptized. When we come up out of the water, we are, quote, born again. We are a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us. And in such, we begin the journey of a new life. A new life that has different eyes, different ears, different thoughts. And, of course, directed by God's Spirit. If you're here today and you want that to start your life, let us know at the Shepherd's Blessing. And we'll gladly baptize you today. And then if you have a special prayer request this morning, take a card, fill it out. Let us know what's on your heart, on your mind. We'll go to God in prayer on your behalf as well. Pray with me, please. Almighty Father, we thank you again for the time that we shared this day in your holy word. How precious are your words to us how much the thoughts that you have toward us uplift us and strengthen us every day. All that was said this morning, dear Father, let us bring honor to your name. And of course, all that we express this day is to not only recognize your presence in our lives, but to rejoice and be thankful and grateful for Jesus, our Redeemer, his Son, the one who sits at your right hand.
Continue to direct our steps. Let us always have the words to say to encourage others. Let our thoughts and our actions always bring honor to you. And of course, Almighty Father, please guide us into eternal life. Thank you, dear Lord, for the time we've shared in your holy word this day. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.